Hello, everybody. Welcome to another fine episode of 2, 5, and 10. As always, I am your host, KC, always accompanied by my extremely handsome, always good-looking, been up on a three-day bender, Ben Stewart. See? Still on the bender. I'm just happy to be here today on the struggle bus. Uh, I was going to say, still on the bender. You can't even talk into the mic. Um, <laughs> yeah, who you got? Who you got for shout-outs? Uh, I want to be really selfish today and give myself a shout-out uh, just for being here. You know, everybody knows why I'm here. I'm here so I don't get <laughs> fined. <laughs> no, nothing wrong with the old tap, uh, little tap on the back. Um, do I got any? Oh, you know, I got a shout-out. Yesterday, me and the cannibal were food shopping. And uh, my phone goes off, and it was my Philly bra, Max bra. He's like, oh, my God, I'm like the biggest gritty fan, man. So uh, big shout-out to Maxie. He said he wants to come out on the pod one day, so we'll have to uh, arrange that the best we can with that goof troop. Well, I hope you told him we talked about gritty last week so you can give it a listen. Flyers fans and gritty, man, they are just uh, rock hard. Um, One other one, we kind of had like a – surprise sunday dinner tonight it was pretty cool so i was making some food and i told amanda's dad yesterday come over for dinner and then my dad popped in while he was here and then ashley came over with alex we kind of had like a nice impromptu sunday dinner it was it was nice it was cool wasn't expecting it uh love great company so i'm happy with that nice little family dinner hey it's all right Should, should we fire her up Let's get this baby going. All right. So after Sid comes out and says McDavid is the best in the league, Sid comes out with a, hey, how are you? Suck on that. I'm back. I had a slow start. Daddy's home. Um, filthy game winner in Edmonton that bouncing off Strom. He, he wiggles behind the net. He gets on his edges, snipes one there, and then... The next night in Calgary, or the the next game at least, that backhand behind the goal line snipe. Daddy's home. I mean, the Edmonton goal. I think Crosby just decided it was time to go back to the hotel. Uh, he deep hands Dylan Strom, added another deke on top of it, backhand for the winner. I wonder if, you know, he has five points in his last two games. Uh, and all the talk about McDavid, and even him, you know, I had the conversation going, passing the torch, quote-unquote, uh, to Connor. Crosby had a slow start to the year. I wonder if he's been using that as motivation, everybody talking about McDavid, uh, him, like the old Michael Jordan uh, trick where he would make up shit about what the opposing team said to him just to piss himself off or he would come out in the second half and light him up. So I wonder if... That kind of played into what Crosby said about McDavid uh, before the Edmonton game. Yeah, dude, I wouldn't doubt it. Sid's one of those freaks like that where mentally, I, I think he's a step ahead of a lot of people. So, you know, make other people thinking, you know, Connor's the best in the league. Don't worry about me. I'm the old guy now, blah, blah, blah. And then to say it and then the next game come out like that, dude, that's awesome. And not to mention, too, I mean, there hasn't been too much talk about Sid up until this point. But, I mean, the team's doing good, 6-1-2, and two, so it's not like the team's struggling or anything like that. So even if he's not producing and the team can win games and get points on top of the injuries that they have, that's pretty solid, man. 
That's a great luxury to have. Crosby is not having a hot start, and you're still kicking off the year well. That goal against Calgary, he has Sam Bennett hanging all over him. Like you said, short side, high backhand. That's a goal I've seen way too many times uh, playing against him in the division as a Rangers fan. Just that was a veteran move. That was a, you know, Gretzky had his office behind a net. That's a very, you know, classic Crosby goal that he pulled out of his ass right there and seen it just way too many times. Who, uh, who do you think got that best in tight backhand? Him or Kane? Actually, Marshan has a pretty good one, too. I already gave Marshan two compliments in the first four episodes. I can't give him another one. All right, fair enough. Uh, fair he enough. Good. <laughs> uh, see, Kaner, he has a good backhand. I just, I think he's better on the backhand when he's dishing off to somebody uh, versus an actual shot like Crosby has. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I, I feel like Sid. Sid's good with his backhand because I feel like he could come in backhand the whole way, like hold it on the outside and still beat you backhand. Whereas like Kaner does one of those dipsy do's and now it's a quick short backhand. But yeah, I feel like Sid could show it to you all day and then still beat you with it. Yeah. Crosby just, it's quick with Kane. A lot of times he's circling the fucking offensive zone for 11 minutes before he uh, pulls it out and roofs it on somebody. <laughs> Kaner. <laughs> um, transitioning since I mean we don't have to talk about I mean where do we rate him now second best in hockey or now back up to first I don't know um, Mark Boriecki 1A 1A yeah 1 and 1A not 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 too shabby Mark Boriecki this week got a one game suspension for elbowing I'm gonna butcher his name even though he's a Bruins guy <laughs> uh, Vakaninen uh, our rookie in his second game. The only issue I have with this is that for Matheson to get two games over something that we discussed and we thought was basically a normal hockey play to there's not even a scrum in front of the net. The puck was loose. Whistle gets blown. Vakanen, I mean, granted, Vakanen is kind of, he's flying in there a little bit. So I, I get it a little bit. But Boryevsky just comes with this elbow, just right on the jaw, ends up giving him a concussion, and he's out. The issue I have with it is last year, Boryevsky came out and he says, I don't plan on fighting anymore because of all the long-term things, these concussion protocols. I see what it's happening to other people, you know, the lawsuit against the league. I don't want to fight anymore. And then the next game he went and he fought. But that's besides the point. But to come out and say that because you're worried about your own future and then just blatantly elbow somebody in the head, like, where do you stand in the sense of what side of the line are you on? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. Just looking at it as an isolated incident, uh, like you said, I can see why he kind of, like, raised his arm up Uh when the guy's flying in, I'm not even going to try and say his name. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, he comes flying in uh, after the after Anderson has the puck. I think from what I can gather from what the NHL said, when he had his phone hearing with them, he explained that he wasn't trying, obviously trying to hit him in the head. He, I, you can tell he was trying to kind of like shoulder him in the chest or like just forearm shiver him to stop him from coming in and causing any chaos in the crease. 
So I think his elbow just happened to slip up, uh, misjudged it or whatever, and caught him in the head. Uh, they suspended him the game because they said he's responsible for obviously what he does with his elbow and everything. But yeah, that's an interesting point where you said where he's concerned about his own uh, future with head injuries and concussions. Even if he was doing it to protect his goalie and it was an accidental elbow, if that's something that's so at the forefront of your thought process as a hockey player, you would figure that even thinking about throwing an arm up or an elbow up at somebody as they're coming in full scheme would be something you're trying to eliminate from uh, your defensive scheme and your posture. I just, do you, are you trying to say that you should have gotten more than a two games because of the Matheson suspension, or are you okay with the one game? I think you should have at least matched the Matheson and got two. I think the one game is kind of, I guess you call it like the sympathy factor. I don't really know how you'd label it, but it's like, I just don't get how Matheson gets two for what we all consider a hockey play. And then, you know, this is like just a blatant elbow. Like, I, I, I think there's definitely a difference between it. And I, I don't know. I mean, granted, the rookie has to be more aware. Like, when you're flying into a scrum, you got to be more aware than that. But at the same time, I don't think – usually someone grabs you by the collar. You don't get an elbow right across the face, so – I wonder if the NHL being a little skittish after the Matheson suspension where they got a little blowback from too harsh for a hockey play and they deal with this where they know it's not an intent to injure everyone, uh, just in the heat of the moment, uh, accidental elbow, so they didn't want to go and match the Matheson, Matheson suspension uh, because of the blowback from that. But also, if that was too harsh, Maybe that's just a bad precedent to follow for uh, future suspensions. Maybe that's why they just kept it the one game for Parecki. No, and I'm with you on that, too. Like, we all complained that two was too much for Matheson. So to be on the other side of it, like, I completely get that. But I think that there was a lot more intent with Borecki's than there was with Matheson's. Yeah, it's – and people haven't seen the play. Uh, obviously, it's up on YouTube. It's always tricky to head injuries. It doesn't look like it would have caused a concussion. Obviously, it would have knocked a little bit of a loop knock on his ass. But it just shows how just getting hit at the right spot or the right speed can re- just really mess up uh, your brain for the foreseeable future in terms of concussions. Yeah, no, I, I think so for sure, too. Because, like I said, he went and he came out and he proclaimed that. So, I mean, for someone who's complaining about headshots and everything else, uh, I just think it's kind of one of those vital points of, you know, if you're going to say it, practice what you preach. That's just my only thing. I mean, speaking of suspensions, we want to talk about Tom Wilson? Yeah, we can talk about Willie still. Um, So he appealed it through the PA. NHL came back, said, you're still getting 20. And now I believe he's going through a neutral arbiter. Um, I don't know what's going on. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, do you think someone neutral will give him something different, or do you think it'll stay the way it is? Well, Daniel PA, when he appealed the original suspension to Bettman, said that the two main points were uh, if 
didn't break a rule to hit, which if that doesn't break a rule, they should create one that prevents that. Uh, but the other thing was, and I found this kind of funny, 20 games was too harsh, but they thought eight games would be okay. <laughs> and I, I'm just curious about where they got eight games from, why they pulled that number out. They didn't explain it or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, they had till November 1st to appeal to an independent arbiter. I don't think they're going to reduce the suspension at all, um, especially since he's a repeat guy. That's another thing NHLPA tried to counter, saying it's in the preseason, not the regular season, so it's not technically falling under the repeat offender statute. Um, well, hold on but real quick. One question. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. didn't he get a, a suspension last year during the preseason too? So wouldn't that make him a repeat offender in the preseason too? I think that's the whole line of thinking about Batman. He's like, well, if you only want to talk about preseason, then this is his second preseason suspension. He's also been suspended in the playoffs like multiple times. Yeah, I was going to say, no matter where you look at him in the season, preseason, regular season, postseason, I think he's uh, hit every one of those at least once. Yeah, and it's, I don't know if he officially appealed to the arbiter, but he, only, he had to list coming Thursday, November 1st to do so. And by the time... They made that decision. He's probably already going to be done with the 20-game suspension anyway, so I don't think it makes much of a difference. You think, if anything, it's just more trying to recoup some of that money that he's losing? Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't want to give up almost like, what is it? It was like uh, a quarter. I think it was even more. I think it was like one and a half. Yeah, I would try and get back as much of that as possible, especially for a young guy who just signed his first big deal. Yeah, that's... That's a lot of dough that just disappeared. Uh, what do we got after Willie here? Oh, what do you think about um the Capitals going around? They were on the West Coast swing. They ended up seeing Vancouver and, and Calgary. They ended up giving Jay Beagle with the Canucks and Alex Chiasan with the Flames their Stanley Cup rings. I mean... Because usually they would just mail it, so I think that just shows the type of team uh, that the Capitals had in the locker room last year. Especially Jason, who was a fourth liner, part-time guy, uh, was only there for a little bit. Left the off-season, and they still went out of their way. Obviously, they were there for the game, but it still went out of their way to make it more personal and just sending to them in uh, Calgary and saying thanks for your service. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those rings look beautiful, though. Dude, those rings are fire. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it says a lot, too, because someone like Beagle, who was there a long time, and then, you know, for him winning the cup and then leaving, I don't blame him for leaving. He, he's kind of towards the latter part of his career. He's 33 now. Um, cashed in with the Canucks for a $12 million deal, four years, uh, 12 in total, three three apiece. I don't think he was going to get that anywhere else. But at the same time, Beagle's one of those guys who's been there through the thick and the thin and through the losing to sit every year, years, and to finally get over the hump. I, I think that's awesome for them to uh, bring that to him. You can definitely tell he was a little emotional about it, which is awesome. I think uh, Ovechkin finally probably stopped thinking about three weeks ago. Yeah, it was celebrating the cup one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was drinking in training camp too. <laughs> I got a question for you since we're talking about cup rings. 
So they brought beagles and chia sons out to him. What do you think when uh, they go to Long Island to visit Barry Schwartz? Do you think uh, they bring one there? Do you think that's a management thing where they're like, no, he does not step in this locker room. His shit was mailed to him. Have a great day. <laughs> uh interesting uh i mean he fulfilled his contract you know he brought them a cup uh so i don't think there's any hard feelings there it's just more that the guys in the room probably miss him uh in washington i yeah i don't think it'd be like a even though it's in long island i don't think it'd be a big deal where it's like a pregame ceremony or like they do it on the guys probably just be in the back in the coach's room uh, Reardon gives it to him. Uh, well, the you know, assist comes and gives it to him too. So it won't be like a major thing. But if they don't give it to him in person, I think uh, they're reading it to things a little bit too much. Yeah, no, I, I like I said. I mean, like you, well, like you said, he fulfilled the contract. But then on the other end, it was, you know, he wanted term and money. They just wanted to give him term. Like, no, they just wanted to give him money. Like it was just one of those things that was. To me, it seemed a little skittish on both ends how they were doing it, but um, you know, definitely uh, interesting to see what happens next on that end. And what do we got now? Uh, you want to talk about torts? It's our boy, our favorite boy. That's what I'm saying, Bruxy. Um, <laughs> so John Tortorella came out this week, and he had an interesting quote about the current state of the NHL and. Here it is. There's been some great changes to the game, but damn, I miss the, the old school, I'm coming at you, and uh, uh, we'll have a beer after. But do we have to talk about it on the ice right now? You know, that, that's, that's, that, that's sickening to me, quite honestly. It's like a big hug fest sometimes. I don't know if they have so many meetings with this NHLPA and all that stuff that goes on, but there's no, there's no, there's no hate and uh, I missed that. It's been some. So there was the quote. I- I'm not going to lie. I- I'm, I'm kind of with him. It- he was talking how it's a big hug fest out there right now. And I think he's right. Um, back in the day, I mean, you talk about some guys that used to be on the ice. You got Ty Domi. You got Derek Bugard. You, you know. Holy yeah, like legitimate killers out on the ice. And there was no conversation about, hey, you know, maybe we'll get some dinner after the game. Uh, hey, your rent check's late because, you know, guys are leasing houses from other guys. But, no, I mean, it's definitely one of those things of I don't think there's as much fear in people as there used to be because the game has changed. We, we can all agree with that. The game's changed, but at the same time, with no fear on the other end where, you know, people used to be put in and out like Brian McGratton or Sean Thornton when you have those guys expendable where if anything happens, whether they're in the lineup or they're not, there's going to be notes taken for the next time you guys come together. So now, yeah, no, I'm with them. I understand it. Like, and as a coach, for him to be hearing all the back and forth between players, he gets it. And Maybe that upsets him, too, where he's like, go out there and rip his fucking head off. Like, you're over here, you just, hey, we'll have a beer at... No, fuck you. Let's do this now. Yeah, it, 
I mean, I love torts. I agree with where he's coming from. The NHL has moved away from having the enforcers, like you mentioned, Blue Guard, Thornton, McGrath, and all those guys. So it's affected the style of play positively, I think. It's more skilled guys on the ice. But it's made it where, you know, hockey attracts the casual fan based on playoff hockey and then to the rugged aspect of the sport and the fighting aspect of the sport, as much as we may not like that as hardcore fans. Uh, I just find it interesting that a head coach who literally sent out Stu Bickle to take an opening face against the Devils because he wanted a line brawl is reminiscing about having missing hatred from their game. Uh, that wasn't good for the sport either. <laughs> but I agree. Like, this guy's talking on in the ice. Like, even when you're scrums, you'll see, like, the two main guys, maybe three guys heavily involved. And on the perimeter, you'll see guys just lazily putting their arm or grabbing, like, up some of the jersey just to say that they somebody in a scrum, like, paired off with someone. But there's no animosity in a sense of fuck you, I'm here to win, and I'm going to run you over to do that. It's, you know, if, if it works out, it works out. Hey, you know, we play internationally together uh, in our home country or in the World Cup or we were drafted together. It's a lot more of a brotherhood now than it used to be, even though there was the code, obviously, back in the day, too. I think it's from all the lockouts. Guys are like, you know what? We're going to get locked out again, so it doesn't even matter, brother. Let's hold on and hug each other till the end. I wonder, like, free agency, obviously, most that because a lot of guys played with a lot of other guys throughout their 10, 12, 15-year careers, so they have more, uh, more connections that way. I just also wonder if it's, obviously, and this is a good thing, as someone who also has suffered through concussion issues, but all the time about head injuries and the fighting and those specific type of players being removed from the sport, there's going to be a counterbalance to that where I feel like Torts and that style of play is going to make a little bit of a comeback uh, to counteract that because you can't just be the 1990, late 90s, early 2000s Red Wings where they have like three fighting majors all year uh, in this sport. So I think it's going to come back a little bit, but they have to find that balance with it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like you said, you remember the Detroit Red Wings legit. It would be three fighting maids, and they would all be um, Erickson on the back end. That, that was yep. it. Every one of them. <laughs> Poor guy. Legit. I, He'd look I around the bench and be like, oh, fuck, it's me again. All right, boys. I feel like Ryan Reeves is probably the heavyweight champ in the league right now, ever since LaRock uh, retired. Uh, but if Ryan Reeves played in the early 90s and 80s, I don't even think he'd be considered a heavyweight. You would have guys like Ty Domi, Kozer. Bob Probert would destroy that dude. And I like Ryan Reeves, but Ryan Reeves is a heavyweight by default. Oh, yeah. Well, compared to what, what he's going against in the league, yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of Reeves, did you see that hit the other night on Hedman? Like, here comes the choo-choo train, dude. Like, absolutely steamrolled him. Sending a message for uh, June, possibly. Yeah, um, that's actually, well, one of my things for later on, we got a new thing for our, uh, we got a game of the week and a pick of the week. For my game of the week, we'll talk about that later, but yes, possible uh, June matchup. We'll see what happens. Um, Do you want to discuss your uh, Ranger boys? Or do you want to wait on that? Uh, you know what? 
let me just get this out of the way. This is going to be a weekly segment called Ben is pissed off at Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, <laughs> Can we give it like a better name, like Shaddy in the Dumpster? <laughs> like, or, or like something like that? I, I just <laughs> Uh, so it's not just Shaq Kirk, obviously. The Rangers have lost four or five. They lost today in Los Angeles against a really struggling Kings team. They get the pleasure of going to San Jose. We'll come to San Jose on Tuesday to face Brent Burns and Eric Carlson, which should be fun. Uh, not really. I'll be there. It's going to be a complete mess. Before this year started, I knew, every Ranger fan knew, it's a complete rebuild year, and Quinn, David Quinn, is trying to develop his style of play and develop the type of culture he wants around the team and in the locker room. But my God, dude. The offense is as... I'm going to steal a line from one of my favorite comedy movies. The offense is as useful as two retards trying to fuck a doorknob. It's... They have no finishers on this fucking team. They have guys like... Zuccarello, Hayes, Buchnevich, Spooner, uh, who are all perimeter pass-first guys who are allergic to shooting rubber on a net. Uh, Hank has been left high and dry all year in terms of offensive support. Shattenkirk, like I said, he continues to look absolutely freaking terrible. He's not even looking productive on a power play point, which is supposedly the strength of his game. Uh, like I said, too many perimeter guys. And this is for a team where David Quinn is trying to instill hard-nosed, gritty, go-to-the-net, shoot-first mentality. But I don't think the roster of the team fits the style of play he wants. A lot of these guys are going to be shipped out. Uh, the only positives, Neil Pionk, Brett Howden, Mika Zibanejad, and Hank have started the year well. Uh, but they got to give guys like D'Angelo a good long run, 15, 20 games, see what they have in him. Uh, they need to call up their other first-round pick, Elias Anderson. It's just a lot of stopgap veterans on this team that are holding things up. When you talk about Quinny and and you say a lot of these guys aren't going to hold up, do you think, you know, he signed that contract. It was kind of for the long haul. Do you kind of see it being like, uh, I guess, like a John Gruden type deal? Like currently, do you see him, you know, shipping people out at the deadline, trying to get some picks or trying to get some people that he wants in here? Or do you think that's going to be more off-season, free agent type stuff? Oh, I think this... If you are a free agent at the end of this upcoming season and you're on in New York Rangers, you're moved in February or by February. Zuccarello is going to be gone. Uh, Hayes is probably going to be gone. McQuaid. Uh, they'll try and move Brendan Smith. Uchnevich is probably gone. Spooner is gone. Like, all those guys are out of here. Um, it's just interesting because you have guys like Stahl, Brennan Smith, and Shant Kirk on the back end who have multiple years left on their deal that don't fit or haven't been living up to their salary. Um, it's just, int- like, Gordon's been talking about you can't just have a bunch of 19-year-olds. So you want to have, like, some young NHL-ready talent. I just don't know if you can get that for the players that are on this roster right now. Like, who's going to give up, outside of Kevin Hayes, who's going to give up a 22-year-old NHL-ready forward for Matt Zuccarello when he's a rental? Yeah, and I mean, not to mention, too, his age. He's kind of on the back end, too. Yeah, and he's going to garner what? If you want to keep him, $5 million plus a year for a guy who gives you 15 goals? Is that what it's going for now in the NHL, or is that just New York prices? 
<laughs> it might just be, uh, you know, my living standards been skewed living in New York, Boston, and San Francisco. So everything's a little bit more expensive. Do you intentionally chase the cost of living when you go places, <laughs> or uh, is that just by default? See, I go from one end of the extreme to the other. You know, grew up in New York, went to Boston, and then I went to the other complete opposite end and went to Namibia. I was like, all right, this cost of living is great, but it's not that much fun. Came back, went to San Francisco. I'm like, this is the complete opposite. This ain't fun either, but I can't live in like Omaha, man. <laughs> yeah, no. No, no offense to our uh, seven listeners in Omaha. Is it seven now? Wow. We're getting yeah, up there, pal. We got 90% of the city. Yeah, we're, we're there. We got about 90% of the teeth, too. Um, you want to go game of the week, lock of the week? Uh, I can fire that up. I. Yeah, I got a game of the week. Uh, it's funny. You can go first. Uh, you hinted at yours earlier, but uh, I was going to comment on that, too. All right. Well, my lock of the week is going to be Thursday night, Pittsburgh at the Islanders. Pittsburgh is going to go in. Sid is on fire. Gino's getting there, and they're going to blow the doors off that place. Be there at Barclays. Cheap tickets probably the most expensive beer in the league but you can get in the door for cheaper than your beer it's fine it'll be worth it on that same night i have nashville at tampa bay that is gonna be the game possibly we have that same game in june possibly my boy la Filoni is lifting the cup up on that florida ice and the beers are gonna be cold and there is gonna be a party on broadway boy all right, so I'll start off with game of the week. I was actually looking at that Nashville-Tampa Bay matchup, and I was like, you know, I feel like that's uh, a Stanley Cup preview. I want to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. I'm glad I did. My game of the week is Thursday. I have Dallas versus Toronto in Toronto. I know Dallas hasn't started off the year as well as everybody thought they would, but... Another high-powered offense versus Marner, Matthews, Kapanen, all those guys in Toronto. So it would be interesting to see Sagan out there, uh, Jamie Benn in that matchup earlier in the year on Thursday. Lock of the week, we actually agree on this one. Pittsburgh just dropped nine on Calgary. So I'm hoping to see some double digits dropped in Brooklyn, but we'll see how bad it gets there. If the Islanders win, and you're listening to this podcast, Kevin will buy you around. Oh, yeah, I can afford it there. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and another thing that I'm going to start doing uh, each weekly episode is a little tidbit called Today in NHL History. Just a couple little facts on the day that we record uh, the weekly podcast. So today is uh, October 28th. And the three facts I have for you, Bobby Orr, your boy, Scores his final NHL goal as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks in 1978. Uh, Sid the Kid nets his first career hat-trick in 2006. And in 2000, Randy McKay and John Madden each score four goals in a 9-0 win over Pittsburgh. They are the first pair of teammates to do so since the lovable Odie Clayhorn and Spray Clayhorn in 1922 for the Montreal Canadiens. Seeing Bobby Orr pictures of him in the Blackhawks jersey like still upsets me. Like, by far one of the worst things that ever happened. Like, Bobby should have never left here. A lot of it's greed. 
I understand it's a business, but there are certain things that just shouldn't happen, and that's one of them. Was Jacobs the owner back then, too, being a cheap ass? I don't know if he was the owner then, but I'm assuming the owner then, if it wasn't him, was probably just as bad, yeah. <laughs> um, another thing I noticed when looking up uh, NHL history for today, do you know that Mike Bossy scored nine hat-tricks in one season in 1980-81? Oh, I didn't know that was a number. That's impressive. And it was broken. You want to know who broke it? Oh, boy. You need one I don't know. Lay it on me. The great one, my friend. I figured it would be him. In but one season, he had 11 hat tricks. I saw your shit-eating grin on the other end, so I should have known <laughs> that it was, you know, he should have been a ranger of at least one point, so I should have guessed Gretzky. Adam Graves. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, waiting for that. I was like, if he tells me it's Graves, this fucking podcast is done, and that's it. Episode five was as far as it went. Adam Graves, more consequential and a better player than Cam Neely. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> uh, 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 whatever weed they have out there in Cali, you should keep smoking it because clearly it's phenomenal. That That's like the you just shit your pants weed. Um, for those who don't know, now, now I'm going to go on a tangent because Ben has to fucking do shit like this. I got to uh, get you going. No, it was it was Sunday night. I was going to go upstairs after this. I was going to go on the couch, watch the Sox win the World Series. But no, now we have to go down the Cam Neal line. Cam Neely was my favorite player. Big, handsome prick. Tough as nails. Massive. Came up and down the wings. Knocked you right on your ass. And was phenomenal. The craziest part, he was doing most of this shit on one knee, one hip, whatever you want to call it. Um, gets in the Hall of Fame. By the way, I know it's kind of prorated due to the amount of games that he played. But... um. Second in points per game behind Gretzky, that was the average. And, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that in the day when he played with the other big guys that were out there, that he was able to be that much better in the days of clutch and grab and slash the shit out of you and punch you right in the face and nothing's called. So I think on that end, definitely something to see. And he would have that old garden rocking, dude. That place, like, there's some nights you thought that thing was coming down. Now, I know if I ever need to get Kevin distracted from something or he's, you know, going a little bit too hard with the NYR trash talk, I just have to drop the Neely bomb and he forgets everything else that's going on around him and I'm able to kind of divert his attention a little bit. I got to throw some numbers at you, man. It's the squirrel method. You you just find it's squirrel, and yeah, that, that's where it is. Now, Cam Neely has slightly better numbers than Adam Graves in a regular season. And Three, a bigger hog. 329, <laughs> 329 goals from my boy Gravy Train, 395 for Neils. How many cups did Neely win? Did he win it? He won it once, right? No, well, as the president, he never won it as a player. He never won as a player. You know, Graves won a couple, so. <laughs> what? It was only one in New York, right? And Edmonton, I think. Was like he there the one with Edmonton Oh, so what you're trying to say is that Graves just sniffed Messier's jock to win cups. I hear you, guy. Whatever uh, suits, your, suits you the best, I know. I mean, it's, if it smells good, you got to sniff it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
Yeah. All right, so enough of getting under your skin a little bit. That's my little preview of my Sean Avery antics. Uh, Colorado and St. Louis going opposite ends of the spectrum here. Colorado starting off the year great. Uh, myself and a lot of other people probably thought last year was a little bit of a fluke and they would fall back. Uh, their offense is tied for the most uh, production in the league to start the year. St. Louis had high expectations and they're floundering. Mike Yo is his job security is up on the line. Uh, what are your thoughts on both teams to start the year? I'm actually surprised to see that Colorado is actually getting some help over here. Um, Miko Rantanen, I know we had a decent year last year, kind of behind McKinnon because McKinnon carried that team the whole way. But um, currently the points leader with 21 in the whole NHL. McKinnon's right behind him. Um, I didn't know how they would be this year in the sense of whether they would be back in the playoffs or not because I know there was a really big push and the team kind of wasn't what people thought it was going to be. There was a little bit of roster turnover and I don't think anyone thought that McKinnon would be able to do it again. But um, no, man, the boys are playing. Uh, McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, it's all working right now. on fire. Dude, crazy. And I don't know, I mean... I never wish good for Carl Soderberg just because he would be here and be absolutely awful, and he was one of those guys that would, like, drive me absolutely shithouse watching. But um, the lineup's not that bad. Uh, they got Tyson Yost, the young kid, coming up and playing, uh, probably the next captain of that team. He, he reminds me of, like, a Jonathan Taves, just does everything right, hard worker. Um, their back end's not too bad either. They got uh, Tyson Barry, Ian Cole. Eric Johnson, and then they got a couple of the young guys. They got Gerard over there too, making his uh his way around. I, I don't know. I mean, th- they could definitely make a run here if they keep going the way it is. Um, do you see them being a top three team in the Central? Because I mean, currently there is a fire in fucking St. Louis, but it's in the dumpster. It's not anywhere else. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah, it's a tire fire out in St. Louis. I think the most surprising thing. So Colorado made the move for Philip Grubauer in the off season. But Simeon Volarmov has still taken a range as the number one goalie uh, early on in the year. There's a 1.6 goals against average, 950 save percentage. I think goaltending, they were hoping Grubauer would have solved any questions uh, involving their goaltending to take him to the next level. With Volarmov playing as well as he has, even if he falls off a little bit, you can turn to a guy like Grubauer and get steady production. I don't know if they're a top three team in the Central. Uh, obviously, Winnipeg and Nashville are top two. Chicago has started the year well. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts with their age and injuries. I, it's, a, it's just a battle for just being slightly above average to finish third in the Central. You have the Blackhawks, the Avalanche, the Stars, the Wild, and I'm assuming the Blues at some point are going to make a run for it. They're just too talented. Uh but I don't see any a third team really pulling away here. I got a question for you with the Blues. Um, do you think part of it's just chemistry, kind of a learning curve? Because, I mean, their roster right now on paper is phenomenal. So for them to come out and kind of be the way that they are right now, obviously there's got to be something, whether it's you know coming out flat to games or letting in a couple of softies and not being able to get your way out of it. But, I mean, you got Bozak, Fabry, you got Maroon for nothing. You got Ryan O'Reilly, you got Perron back there, you got Shen, you got Jaden Schwartz. Like, 
Tarasenko, you have all these guys in place. Alexander Steen, like, uh, I just wonder what it is. Because, I mean, going into the year, they were legit. I was like, they, they have a chance. Like, I think they could win a cup. But seeing this, is it just, is it still too early to tell? Or what do you think? I th- When we had our first episode and we were talking about, like, our season preview and our picks, we both agreed that goaltending was the major question mark for the Blues with Jake Allen. Uh Chad Johnson was their backup, so there wasn't really a plan B for them for a workhorse starter. And Jake Allen has fallen on his face to start the year. His goals against is right about four, uh, a sub-nine save percentage. He's not taking the reins as they hope to be the number one goaltender. I think that's their biggest issue right now. Uh, On top of, I really think it is coaching. Uh, It's not a new system. It's not a new uh, environment for the players. You have uh, Bo Meester still getting about 20 minutes a night when he's really been in steady decline the last few years. So I still think they have obviously enough talent to turn it around. I just think if they don't start playing better, uh, they played, what, 11 games, 12 games so far? By game 20, I could see a coaching change being made. One real quick thing since we're on them and one of the guys is on the roster and I'll bring up another guy, too. Two Ironman streaks were broken this year. Uh, one for Jay Bomeister and then one for Carl Alsner. Um, obviously, they're both getting older, and I get that. Do you think when you get healthy scratched for, A, I mean, an Ironman thing in the NHL is a lot because obviously you battle through injuries and games and all that, but then to finally be healthy scratched for a, the amount of years that Bo Meester has done it and the money that you pay him and kind of the force that he is in the room with all the kids and everything. And the same thing for Alzheimer. I mean, he, he got it up in Montreal. What do you think? Like, do you think that has to be just as hard on the coach as it is the player? Or do you think there's some sort of conversation along the lines beforehand of, you know, other people, you walk into the room, you find out if you're a healthy scratch that day, the lineup's on the board. Do you have a different conversation with these guys or do you try to send them a message? Uh, you know, shit's not working. You know, you got to be a little bit better or what is it? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a very complicated situation. Both of us being in the rooms ourselves know how delicate it be, could be for someone like Bo Meester in St. Louis who's been there. Uh, he's been on the team for a while. He's a veteran leader. I think it's not something where he's healthy scratch and he comes into a room and finds it on a board and that's how he finds out. It has to be a multiple step conversation with the coaching staff around, you know, what he needs to do to get better uh, for, he doesn't feel like he's being scapegoated or taken advantage of if they do pull him from the lineup. Uh, the other thing is Bowmeister is a proud guy. You know, these guys can tell if they're not playing well, if they're struggling, if they're letting the team down. So, especially in hockey, you're not going to see many guys who's going to put up a stink when they know they're not playing well because they know the rest of the guys in the room are seeing their level of play. So I don't think they would have to worry about that too much as long as they're open with it. Uh, I feel like when it comes to the Ironman streak, yeah, it would be nice. Uh, I feel like Bo Meester would have more of a legitimate gripe than uh, Alzner because Alzner's just been terrible up in Montreal. Uh, But that just takes a backseat to the team play, especially when you're struggling like they are in St. Louis. Uh, it is a delicate situation. I just think they, they handled it pretty well. He got back in the lineup the next game. Uh, but, it, yeah, it's 
multi-step conversation, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, no matter who you are, you never want to watch the game from the press block. So, Yeah, I just think coaching change has come up. I wonder, you know, they can bring in uh, their old defenseman, Scott Stevens, bring in a little bit more defensive and fire to the bench uh, in St. Louis. I don't know. I mean, obviously Scott's a Hall of Famer and probably one of the best open ice hitters of all time in the game. But do you think for someone like him who played in the older NHL and for the way he hit people you you can't really teach that like some of that's just god-given to to be able to line somebody up as good as he always did do you think that's difficult for him to be like fucking Adam here at the blue line and you're like dude I'm not you like I I can't (laughs) like yeah they always say like the more talented a player the worse of a coach they usually end up being because they're so good because it comes innately to them and it's hard for them to teach it. Uh, so they're not very good at coaching. The thing is, Stevens coached, he was part of that like three-headed monster in New Jersey when they had him, uh, I think it was Otsi mm-hmm. in there as well as in Lamorello. So he has a little bit of experience there. He's been coaching defense for a while. He was actually one of the finalists for uh, the Rangers head opening position this past offseason. So I know he's respected around the league. I I just threw his name out there because of his connection to St. Louis. I just don't see many veteran coaches available that can come in to St. Louis right now if they're looking for a guy like that, um, unless they want to go back to Ken Hitchcock. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, wow. When you throw it out there like that, that one got me, got me, got me a little fucked up. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> There's not many options out there anymore. No, and I mean, the other thing, too, is if, if you pull your guy from the AHL, now you got to find a backup coach down there, too. So wh- whichever way the dominoes go, sometimes it's not as uh, easy as people think pulling the trigger because they gave Yo a, a decent contract, too. So Yeah, and to be honest, I, pulling up Scott Stevens, he actually was an assistant coach at a Wild for one year, coaching their defense, and he resigned to spend more time with his family, so... I guess that kind of rules him out as my hypothetical head coach replacement. Yeah, but I mean, with the Rangers and he's that close, you never know if that could happen. That's true. Yeah, it's, I think uh, you know, he's going to be the first head coach let go this year, uh, even ahead of like Guy Boucher or uh, Blasel in Detroit. See, I don't, I don't even know if you can blame Blasel though. Like when he came in his first year, he 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 did he had a decent year. They made the playoffs. And now it's one of those things of if you look at the lineup around him, I don't think you can blame him if he doesn't make the playoffs or he doesn't really make any noise. Like, you got kids. Kids have to adjust that first year for the NHL. And I think there's a whole lot of variables. And I hope management would at least understand that and not be like, your job is to coach him. And that is like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you can't just say oh well he was a first round pick he's playing and now he's not playing good oh you got to keep him in the lineup like i i think there's definitely a whole lot of variables especially in his position because i mean he was their ahl guy and he got the promotion which that's what guys strive for i I think the last thing he wants is to go back down in the sense obviously he's not on like a two-way coaching thing where like oh you suck this weekend we're bringing up the ahl coach but just one of those things you know i'm actually curious because He's obviously in your division with the Bruins. We watch hockey religiously. I have never even heard his voice. So I wonder, like, 
what kind of actual leader he is in a room, if he's more of like a, the uh, inmates running a silent type in Detroit, and if that kind of fits with a rebuilding program of young guys that they're going to develop properly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's a good question as to on the other end, like how he is. Uh, I saw uh, his opening press conference there, and I-, I thought that was pretty good. He seemed really adamant and excited to get after it. I'm looking at the coaches here. I forgot that uh, they brought Bilesma in there in the off season. So, yeah. I mean, I wonder if they gas him. It could be like a Claude and uh, Cassidy thing where they have the other guy there just in case shit doesn't go the way they want. Uh, another guy they got behind the bench there, he was behind our bench for a while, Doug Huda. Great D guy. So um, he, he does have good pieces around him coaching-wise, you know, being his assistant. Oh, sucks, dude. I can't. He's so overrated. In my opinion, he got that he got that cut with Crosby, and then he's done nothing since. He flamed out in Buffalo, like. Well, dude, the Buffalo thing was crazy because the owner came. No, it wasn't the owner. It was fucking um, the GM Murray, and then he got gassed too. But he was saying that uh, instead of just reading, he said that he all Bilesma do would do was X's and O's. Wouldn't even like get a cup of coffee and shoot the shit with the players. Would just be in his office on X's, just breaking shit down. And he's like. If you knew what was happening in guys' lives, maybe you'd know how to get better out of them. I was like, oh, like that's crazy to hear a conversation like that. Yeah, maybe he's better suited as an assistant. Well, if shit keeps going that way in Detroit, he might be a uh, head again rather <laughs> rather shortly. What else you got on your docket, Benny? Uh, I think I'm going to mind. I actually... Uh... Austin Matthews is going to miss another game for the Maple Leafs with that shoulder injury, which has been cloaked in secrecy ever since it happened. He said it wasn't serious. He missed one game. Now he's going to miss another. So uh, the infamous UBI on NHL injury report. Yeah, no, they said um, Monday they were going to send him out for testing, so they were going to have an update Monday as to time and length and all that. Um, he did get steamrolled, dude. Like, yeah. Truba saw him there and smoked him. <laughs> and that's another thing we can get into in another episode. Just the depth of the Winnipeg Jets defense core. Jacob Truba's on our second pair. Very underrated guy. He would be a number one guy for most teams, and he's just sitting there on the second pair, getting 15, 16 minutes a night, and just dominating uh, defensive zone possession in there. Oh, he's a big boy, too. He's a massive individual. And they weren't going to pay him. Remember that whole holdout situation, if they're going to trade him or not? Yeah, that was, was that last summer or this summer? But, yeah, that was the whole thing, and then they ended up paying him eventually. But, yeah, that's all I have on uh, my end here. Got the Rangers off my chest. I feel a little bit better. Yeah, we got... um. Carolina on Tuesday and uh real quick that they added a different element to the uh celebration yesterday after they lined up what was it uh so they line up at the blue line they're doing their skull thing they go to red line center ice and instead of going all the way down to the end to jump to the boards they go back the other way and then they slide on their ass and they're paddling the boat so uh good to see they're switching it up a little bit never know what to expect um God, I hope Tuka Rask is not starting on Tuesday night. Like, let Halak play. I, I he's can't still playing well? Him. Yeah, Halak is doing good. T- 
Tuca, I mean, we got shut out last night. We really didn't play too good, so I can't really put all that on Tuca last night. Um, he did give up a shit goal, but we didn't score any either. Um, but yeah, for this early in the season, already having our goalie controversy, not good for my liver. You guys are dealing with a lot of injuries. I know Krug's out, uh, was out, a couple of concussions. Yeah, Krug's uh, out, McAvoy's out. out, Miller's out. Um, yeah, I mean, the kids have been playing. Uh, Lozon came up. He's had a couple of good games. Vakanainen was in, but now he has the concussion, so he's out. So, yeah, I mean, we got the injury bug a little bit, but um, my boy Grizzy's holding it back on the da- on the DN, so happy about that. Um, Besides goaltending, what do you think is your biggest need or area that you want to add to at the deadline, like right now? If it's just like a general statement, secondary scoring just in general like we rely on that first line way too much and it's showing right now um yesterday there was a little glimpse Donato came in had this really nice goal called back for offsides it was offsides it wasn't like a controversial offside it was like we were a foot and a half offsides but um no I mean obviously there's gonna be a learning curve with the kids they're gonna have to adjust and realize it's a tougher game it's a harder league best league in the world but yeah no we need secondary scoring bad uh jake debrusque on that second line with Krejci and whoever seems to be that rotating winger i love jake man i like watching the kid play but at the same time i think he needs some help because they know he's the only one on that line who's gonna do something i mean ranchers have plenty of secondary scorers that we're trying to pass off as primary scorers that you can take a pick up do you want to try with Hayes 2.0 after the Jimmy experiment? Well, the problem is that Kevin's the better Hayes of the two. So it's like I, I think he could come here and with the younger lineup do something. Um, when we picked up Jimmy in that trade for uh, Riley Smith and all that, I honestly did not think he was going to be a big effect up here. I never thought that anyways. But to actually see how bad he was... was like completely eye-opening like not only do you come home for kind of like a second chance a renewal but you come home and you are god-awful like atrocious not even a league right now right did he he ended up signing with pittsburgh for like a pto i just didn't know if they kept them on it or if they sent them down or whatever they did but yeah no definitely uh not the better of the hazes yeah, you can take your pick. You can take Casey. You can take Zook. Uh, hey, you can even have Spooner back, man. I know you love spoons. I do love spoons. Fuck. Let's. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hayes signed a two-way deal with Pittsburgh. So he's in the minors right now. Oh, good. I'm sure he looks good there in uh, Wilkes-Barre. So. Yeah. But all right, yeah. Well, episode five in the books. Um, we'll be back with another jam-packed episode of episode six next week. Benny's personal recap of the wages and the shocks out the in San Jose. In yeah, yeah, the massacre in the tank. There's going to be blood everywhere. But, um, yeah, no, I'm good on my end. You're good on your end, Benny. We will catch all y'all next week. We appreciate you listening, and uh, all the best. Peace.